you might have one part of your business sending a lot of emails and then another part of your business sending a lot of SMS and those two don't talk. And the customer in the middle, they receive all this communication and they can see that things don't really connect and they don't talk to each other. Hi, this is The Marketing Meeting and I'm your host, Itur Eraslan. Every two weeks, I meet with experts and we talk about topics related to brands, marketing and businesses. We sometimes add random lifestyle topics too. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the new episode of The Marketing Meeting. My guest today is Givan Lafarge. She's the VP of Brand and Content at Cinch. Cinch is one of the fastest growing tech companies in the world. Hello, Gwen. Uh, thank you for joining me in the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> so, Gwen, you dedicated your career to building brands, strong brands around the world. So, you know both brand side as well as the agency side because before Cinch, you used to work in big advertising agencies. But the other thing is that in addition to working with B2B tech companies, you worked with B2C companies and brands, especially when you are at the advertising agency. So that's a really nice combination. So I have lots of questions, not lots of, but I have questions for you. <laughs> when looking to Cinch, one of the things that I would like to ask you about the omnichannel customer experience. Can you please explain us a bit about what omnichannel marketing is and what advantages does it bring to brands? Yes, definitely. And I will say that in most of the cases, many brands or companies do multi-channels rather than omnichannel. But I think the idea of the vision is to kind of become more omnichannel. And I think at Cinch, when we talk about omnichannel experiences or becoming omnichannel as a company or brand, it's mostly helping consumer brands, so like banks or retailers, engage with their audiences throughout their customer journey and in any channel that they want. So in that case, it means that customers or people in general, right? Like today we communicate in a lot of different ways, right? Like we on WhatsApp, we on email, we jump on the Zoom call, and then we Slack, right? So we are on a lot of different channels. And it's the same as a customer, right? In our day-to-day -day life, we might be on Facebook Messenger, on WhatsApp, but also on email and also in the app of a brand directly, right? And I think brands are starting to realize that they need to communicate and engage their audience where they are. So some people, depending on the market, wants to communicate by SMS, some wants to communicate on WhatsApp, some only want to receive email, or they want a combination of it, but they want this experience to be kind of unified, right? Personalized to their needs. And they want to be the one decided how and when they communicate with brands, not the other way around. And I think that's what brands need to understand, that they need to be there in the way that their customers will want, and that really help them build loyalty, but also improve kind of the customer experience, improve retention for sure. So I think it's realizing that we are in an omnichannel world. We all live it, right? Like, and I think brands are catching up. That's kind of the premise, I guess, of this omnichannel experience uh, in terms of communication experiences. How does it differ from multi-channel and omni-channel? Is it the same or is there differences between those two? Because that's something that I also always confuse a lot. Yes. So there are definitely uh, differences. I think like I would say that multi-channel is a step towards omni-channel. 
you might start with one or two channels, right? And you can say that you do multi-channels because you're not only present in one place. You communicate with your audiences on several places. I think omni-channel is more about being able to be on any channels where the customers want you to be. And that's really hard. That's really hard for brands to be able to adapt to what the customers want, but also offer a unified experience across channels, which is difficult, right? You might have one part of your business sending a lot of emails and then another part of your business sending a lot of SMS and those two don't talk. And the customer in the middle, they receive all this communication and they can see that things don't really connect and they don't talk to each other. And I think that's the thing that customers one now is like the communication style and channels to adapt to their needs rather than the other way around. I mean, another very interesting example is when we talk about customer service, for example, and how people are interested to engage with chatbot when they have very simple question and they don't want to talk to a person. But then when the problem is complex, they might start discussing with this chatbot and realizing that the chatbot doesn't have the answer because they have too much of a complex problem. They want to be able to switch to a live agent, but they want that live agent to know what's been discussed with the chatbot, right? So that you don't start over to tell your story again. And that's kind of like the unified experience that customers expect today and brands can do it. It's just, I think, the beginning of the realization for a lot of brands that they can and should actually go towards these multi-channel, omni-channel experiences. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, I know that it's hard also to explain because when you say multi-channel, the first thing that comes to my mind, okay, is a brand, I'm on Instagram and I'm on TikTok, so is it multi-channel? But where is not, right? I mean, if you are selling an online from your website, but you're also having a store, that's already multi-channel. But omni-channel yep. is like the seamless orchestration as far as I understand, of all the communications that's going to the customer. That's kind of what we do is we're a communications platform, right? Like we are a customer communication cloud, which means that we now offer solutions for brands to communicate through all of the messaging channels, so WhatsApp or Telegram, or like depending on the market, the channels varies, but also SMS, but also through voice and through email and like how you can have one provider that can help you, I guess, automate or orchestrate part of it so that you at least like have one one solution to manage it all, which is difficult because it's also not always the same people within companies mm. that are in charge, right? But it's a bit different from brands thinking about only advertising or only kind of marketing and do I need to be on TikTok and Instagram and LinkedIn and like do I need to be on all of those different channels and I think it's different but at the same time it's a bit of the same it's like trying to understand are your customers there because if they're not Mm -hmm. like why would you do that right like why would you spend your marketing team trying to make videos on TikTok if like none of your customers are going to be on there today and maybe it's okay to wait and not be on there today I think it's a bit of the marketing approach when we always want to jump on what's new and be everywhere right Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it might not be relevant for our audiences 
Yeah, and also at the end of the day, communicating through like social media or through newsletters and so on, these are communication, brand communication. But when you think about a customer, it's not they don't care if it's brand communication or customer experience. But with a customer, your customer experience team talks, your store staff talks to the customer, your marketing team talks to the customer through social channels. So it's like a whole of a orchestration process and in that sense, I think Cinch is doing like what brand manager or brand director is doing, like centralizing all the communication between teams, marketing, sales, customer experience, and so on, and then managing everything at from one place. Do you have some best practices from brands as you work with Cinch on omnichannel experience? Yes, of course, and like have experience of customer that are trying to orchestrate their communication in a better way and also trying to be on the channel that the customers want to be. So what's interesting is that the maturity of the market and how people communicate with brands is different from one country to another. So like Hmm. in Latin America or India, WhatsApp is huge, but it's huge in everyday people's life, right? Like people communicate between each other on WhatsApp. Well, like in the U.S., not so much. And they do kind of more SMS is big in the US and they're still kind of there. So I think it is about like trying to understand how your market works and what's important for them. We have a lot of cases or experiences of how you can integrate customer center with chatbot and like how you go from conversational or we call conversational service, conversational care is a big topic for us, where you can actually start a discussion with a chatbot, then continue it with a live agent, right? And that's Mm. when we talk about the customer journey, like you said, like we don't only look at the marketing side. Marketing is like the pre-sale. It's almost like before, during and after the sale is made is customers have communications with brands throughout, right? Which we sometimes forget when we are focused only on marketing. Yeah, exactly. So there is one popular question that I want to ask, popular for me, because I'm also thinking about these a lot. Do brands need to be everywhere in terms of communication? I'm not telling about the omnichannel experience, but I'm talking about brand communication. Do they need to produce content everywhere, all times, constantly? (laughs) I will say the short answer will be no, because... (laughs) I don't think that, again, it's thinking about where are your customers and your customers might not be on certain channels at all, right? Like, I think it depends who you're talking to. And I think it depends also, well, I guess longer answer is it depends, right? Like, so it depends <laughs> of the size of your marketing team and the resources that you have. And that's one of the big challenge, I think, for marketers is trying to prioritize project and focus and not try to be everything to everyone everywhere. And that's really hard. It's like, because we want to be, right? Like, I think if we could, as marketers, we would love for brands to be everywhere. But realistically, we probably don't really need to, and we don't have the bandwidth or the budget to do it right. So I think as a marketer for a company, I will say better to focus on one channel or two channels that you can do really well rather than mm-hmm. try to be spread thin around all the channels and do a little bit of sprinkling everywhere. I will say go all in on like one mm-hmm. channel that you can own and that you can really 
prove your worth on rather than trying to just sprinkle everywhere. Yeah, I had a similar conversation with one of the adjunct professors at NYU just recently last week. And he was like, okay, don't do the peanut butter approach and, you know, put like 10 here, 10 there, 10 there. Because anyway, what I told to him as well, there is like very good content, quality content and creative one that will go viral. It will anyway go viral going over the boundaries of that channel. If something is viral on TikTok, then it's also becoming viral soon in LinkedIn or in Instagram or even in WhatsApp. People are sharing those viral stuff from TikTok, for example. So, yeah, I agree that making sure that if like, because it's not only about the budget resources, it's about also the human and creative and mental resources of a marketing team. Yeah, Uh, I agree. And I think the thing is like, it's, also good when you create content to think about to create content for a specific distribution purpose because i know there's a lot of like buzz around like you create once and you just distribute forever right and i'm like (laughs) yes but in reality it's not just i create one and distribute the same thing everywhere it's more like i might create something once and i need to adjust it repurpose it change it so that it actually works in a different channel. So it's a little bit trickier, I think, and it requires a lot more work than just like, I create one thing and I put it everywhere, right? That's not exactly how it works anymore. But I think that's what we kind of underestimate a bit on like, it's not because you created like a fantastic blog post that you're going to put the link of it on every other channel and say, yeah, I'm everywhere. No one really cares about a link on LinkedIn, right? You need to kind of find a way to make maybe the same content or the same message being heard in a different way. So in a way, it's not so much create once, distribute forever. It's more like create maybe a framework or an idea, a concept that you have, and then adjust it to the different channels. And that's a lot of work. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And also as a customer myself, I always think when I go somewhere or have an interaction with a brand, I always think, okay, what as a customer I'm thinking right now? For example, I mean, I don't mind how much a brand is producing content everywhere very creatively and in quality wise but I care if I go to their own store here in real life and they have no clue about what's being posted as a promotional event in their emails let's say you know sales stuff they don't have a clue on that or their customer service they don't have a clue you know I mean we sometimes obsess how much and how effective we are producing content and distributing it But when you look at the customer side, they're just like looking for more simpler solutions that will make their life easier, actually. Yeah, that's true. It's because we don't always put the customer at the center of like Mm -hmm. what we're producing, right? We're thinking about what do I want to say rather than like, what do my customers actually want to hear? (laughs) At the agency side, you work with a lot of brands from the agency side. Now you're on the brand side. So... Could you tell me a bit about some of the common mistakes that brands do? I mean, you can take it from the B2B perspective or you can generalize it. I don't know if there you see any difference between B2C mistakes and B2B mistakes, though. But maybe especially right now you are in B2B area. I guess one mistake is definitely what we just discussed on like trying to be everywhere, but also trying to be everything to everyone, especially in B2B. Because, yeah, in B2C, you have very large audience, right? And like, you can kind of generalize maybe a bit more. When like in B2B, 
I think you need to be very specific and mindful of your audience. And so I think understanding your audience very deeply is quite important. That's something that a lot of companies miss, I think, so that they might be creating a lot of things, but a lot of things might not be relevant for the audience. So I think a common mistake with tech companies, and I think this is a bit cliche, but it's like focusing too much on themselves rather than what kind of solution they are bringing to their customers. So I think it's definitely focusing too much on what they want to say, what products they want to sell, what feature they want, and making it all about themselves rather than trying to really understand the audience and providing solution for them. I think the people that are doing a really great job, the companies doing a great job, are the ones that definitely understand their audiences very well and produce content that is extremely targeted so that they know where their audiences are and they produce content that really speak to them. So I think to me, that's a very common mistake. Mm-hmm. In terms of the brands and marketing initiatives, what are some of the measurements or KPIs that you really look upon to understand if a campaign is successful or not? Yeah, that's a tricky one, right? It always <laughs> is a tricky one for brands it because it's like long-term <laughs> measurement versus like short-term metrics. And I think like you need to look at some of the leading indicators on kind of tracking the progress you're making. We usually kind of focus on, I guess, two or three big metrics, which is like organic traffic to your website. And yes, there's many things that contribute to it and it's not just brand, but that's one big factor. I mean, direct traffic is also interesting because if you do a big campaign, you should see a lift of direct traffic, which means like people have seen your ad somewhere else and then they type the URL directly, right? And then search, right? Like we look a lot at like branded search and share of branded search on specific topic, but with your brand name in it. So these, I think, are good indicators. And of course, also how the engagement you get from people on social, I think is also a good indicator. Of course, it's a bit harder also to track and to really link those type of engagement or link those metrics to pipeline, right? Because there's such a long term in B2B, right? Like it takes months for people to buy something. So it's really hard to kind of say, oh yeah, they've seen my video on LinkedIn and then they booked, right? Like we know there is so much touch point and so much that goes into a B2B sale that I think sometimes marketers should focus more on making sure they are there at those different touch points rather than trying to measure it all and associate one action to one specific metric. <laughs> because we all know that it takes a lot of efforts and touch point and people will look at a lot of different things. So let's make sure that we have those in place. Yeah, measurement can be tricky. And I think there's a lot of like softer type of measurement. Like if you talk to your sales team and when they talk to prospects, people have heard about you and they said, oh yeah, I've heard about Cinch before. Like I've seen you, I've seen X or I've seen Gwen on a video on LinkedIn. Then you know that some of the things you're doing is working, right? And that can't really be measured as such by a specific yeah. metric, but it's like the discussion and the dialogues and what the sales team are saying. Mm-hmm. I think that's, as a marketer, that's one of the hardest things to stand in front of the board or the management team and really stand up for your work. Because especially, as you said, in B2B, the buying cycle is so long that 
something that you do now may not even return in six months. So such as if you are selling chocolate, a campaign that you do right now will return. I mean, you will see the return probably in a month, right? I also do the same mistake. I mean, like we sometimes tend to make a generalization of the return on investment KPIs and then think that it's valid for everyone. However, it's not. And people say that, okay, measurement is everything right now and everything can be measured. That's why, but that's still hard. Yeah, we can measure everything, but it doesn't mean that sales cycle has shortened. No, exactly. And I think like we can measure a lot more than before and there's like better attribution software out there that helps you not only looked at how the deal was sourced and what was the first point of the first touch point, right? But rather what happens throughout the journey before people actually bought the product. And I think that's really interesting. I think this focus on the first touch and like this Mm. debate between sales and marketing on like who brought this customer in, right? Which is like an ongoing discussion and self will be no I I knew John from like another job 20 years ago so I'm the one who brought it in right and marketing will be no I've been they've seen like my videos on LinkedIn so I I brought it in and I think it's like at the end of the day who cares right like because yeah, there's business it doesn't business. matter yeah who brought in like what matters is like did we touch this customer 10 times sometimes through sales sometimes through marketing and that's kind of accumulation of action that this person has taken with our brand is what actually made the deal is definitely not the friendship or like the contact for 20 years ago it's also not that linkedin video from last week it's mm-hmm. all of it right <laughs> so exactly. i think that's the tricky part and that those debate between sales and marketing i think like <laughs> shouldn't exist because it's all working together, right? For the same goal. (laughs) Shall we move on? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. The sales and marketing dilemma. (laughs) Yeah. So, Gwen, I'm living across the street from the Javits Center in New York City. And I know that for B2B, the expos and trade shows, is there is like too much going on. Last week, there was an event. I think it was like a Shopify e-commerce type of event. Streets were full of people. What do you think about the booths or trade shows or expos? And is it still valid or does that still work in B2B? That's a very interesting discussion, right? And I think it all depends of like the budget you have. And when you're in the situation right now where a lot of marketing teams have to cut their budget, or they had to last year, or it's still going on this year, right? Like you have to really look at what works the best and you can't be everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, sales team, they would love for you to be at every single event, right? <laughs> if you ask them, they're like, why are we not there? Why are we not here? And I think for them, it definitely works to kind of have those direct dialogues and those discussion. I feel that there's a bit of like a go back to physical event that has been happening, But at the same time, brands are more careful about their budget. So they might be at the event, but sometimes a meeting room is enough because you have your sales team on the floor. Maybe you have a meeting room and maybe you don't need that big booth that costs a lot of money. I think it really depends of the objective on like, are you there to build your brand? Are you there for direct connection and to help your sales team? So is it kind of a field marketing type of event? And as a field marketer, you enable your sales team or are you there to kind of make a big brand impact Mm -hmm. so i think then that really changed the perception on events i think there is a place for events 
I see probably smaller, more intimate events mm -hmm. working better than like large threat show that are a bit of a catch it all. But it's a mix of both. And it really depends on what you're trying to achieve with your events. I'm more into B2C because of my Nike background, but now I'm working with a few B2B brands and so that I can explore and observe. I'm working with like a technology company, which they produce software and hardware. And what I see, they, they are so used to going to expos and trade shows. And what I see is that expos are a great way to get some product feedback, early product feedback for them, because mainly the technical people are coming. So they see if there is interest from the technology people, like, you know, the top of the pinnacle, like influencers, early adopters that are interested in the product. That's what I could observe. But again, this is also, it depends on the industry and the customer and yeah. the expo type and so on. Yeah. Yeah, I still believe in events, right? I think there is a place for events for sure to meet with like industry peers as well and like your competitors and trying to get a pulse on the trends and like what else is going on in the industry and meeting some of your clients and prospect face to face and continuing some of those deeper discussions. I think there's definitely a lot of value in that as much mm -hmm. as in treating events as kind of a more of a brand experience. I think there's also value in that, but I think it comes more of a question when budgets are limited. Mm -hmm. And I think, of course, sales, they like being at those events because they get opportunities to talk to people and they can walk the floor, right? But sometimes you don't see the direct ROI of your events because the price are usually really high. So yeah. it also depends on your audiences, right? Like if your audiences are very technical people, and they actually enjoy those trade shows, I think, yeah, you need to be there. So it's really, it depends. I guess we get sometimes influenced a lot by what we see on social. I think social is wonderful when your target audience are sales and marketing, because mm. sales and marketers are on there all the time. So if that's your target audience, then it's easy. <laughs> if it's <laughs> not, right. and you're actually trying to target CFOs, well, good luck trying to get to them on LinkedIn, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's going to be a lot harder. So I think that then you might want to kind of reach out to them in different ways. And again, I think like for C-level, do they go to trade shows? Hmm, probably not, right? So <laughs> maybe to support the team for an hour. <laughs> maybe to support the team. Yeah, I think like it's about finding where are your audiences, right? Like where do they actually hang out? And I think We know it super well for marketers because obviously they are peers and we know yeah. where they are. But outside of that, I think sometimes it's a lot more difficult. There's one thing that you at Cinch are also doing a lot, that the employees are doing like podcast series, videos and so on. Since a lot of companies started doing that, I have mixed feelings on this, actually. First of all, I could tell you some of the content that I see from B2B companies, employees, just like, for example, Chris Walker, Refine Labs. It's very effective. I have no connection with Refine Labs and I would probably don't need their services at all. But I know their name because of the you know success story of Chris Walker's podcast series, right? How do you observe the things that are working? Because if an employee posts something about his or her company, then for me, it doesn't feel too natural because, yeah, they are an employee at the end of the day. That's why yeah. I would like to ask your opinion. Yeah, so it's a very interesting topic. And it's one of like the project I'm working on right now, because especially when you get 
budget cuts, and especially on a brand perspective, how do you build a brand today, right? And I think there's this bit of this misconception of you need big budget and make big ads, I think, or be on the billboard to build your brand. But we can see that's what's been happening on social is brands building the brand and becoming quite well-known, like Refine Lab, small brands, right? Like I think at the beginning, there was only a few people, and there's a few examples of other smaller tech brands that are managing to create a name for themselves on social using Mm -hmm. the power of their employees. I just feel like it needs to be done in a good way. Like you said, I don't believe in employees basically writing posts that feel like a sales pitch. I also don't believe that employees can do it effectively if they are not posting from their own voice in a very authentic way. So I'm very much against the can social post, right? It's like, oh, look, we have a new blog. We're going to write this kind of like can blog. We're going to give it to all the employees so that they can put on their social. I don't believe that to be effective. I think it takes a lot of efforts for people and employees to actually think through who is my audience on my social channels? Can I build an audience that are actually your buyers? And can I bring something to that audience based on the content created by the marketing team? But there needs to be a personal involvement of the people to really turn it into something that is authentic to them, that speak to their expertise and resonate with their target audience. So it's pretty tricky. Like we're planning right now, like I've been working on this training or document that to explain to people how Hide works because there's this tendency. A lot of people at Cinch post, but a lot of people post, repost what's been posted by the marketing team or they share links and they just said, Oh, look at this post from look at our latest blog. And no one cares, right? Like that's not what you want to see on LinkedIn. But if you do it with your own perspective, I believe it can have an impact. Well, I personally post regularly on LinkedIn. I don't post very often about Cinch. But I do mm-hmm. sometimes, right? And <laughs> I had people tell me, oh, I've never heard about Cinch until I was seeing that that's where you worked and you talked about it, right? But also because my network might not be the Cinch buyers, right? <laughs> like my network is mostly marketers, peers. So they might not care as much about buying the Cinch solutions. But I think salespeople should definitely have a good way of doing it. But that needs a lot of personal involvement. And like you said, you took the example of Refine Labs. I think not only Chris Walker, but a lot of people at Refine Lab are doing it in a really good way. They don't post the same thing, right? They post on the same subject. They probably have direction on topics and ideas, and they might brainstorm together, but they don't post the same post, right? So I think yeah. that's kind of the trick. It's like getting people that want to be involved, involved, Mm -hmm. but you can't force it on everybody because it's not just sharing a link or a post from the company that's going to make it. And also it's easier for smaller brands because they can train their, not train, but it's easier to monitor as well. But if you have like a big sales team and then you need to make sure that on the company side, it's hard also. It's easy to tell, okay, employee posts are good, so make it authentic and so on. But I'm sure that you are already having a lot of topics on your hands because of that. Definitely. Because like, I mean, since like um, grew from being like a small company, I guess, a few years ago, but when I joined, we were maybe 800 people. And today we have 4,000. 
So we became a very big company in a very short amount of time. And you can see that it's a lot more difficult to kind of move the way people do things, right? And the alignment between sales and marketing is more difficult. Like, of course, if you're a team of five, you all work together all the time and you can help each other, right? Like when you're a team of like hundreds or thousands, it's a lot trickier. And I think that's what I'm doing at Cinch is trying to identify the people that could be or kind of subject matter expert, brand ambassadors, whatever you want to call them. So identify a few people we can work with. Some, what's great is that some people take initiative themselves. I had one fantastic seller who decided to start a video series herself where she comments on things we've made in the marketing team, but also external articles, and she makes her own video. And then now we're going to work with her to make those videos a bit better, a bit more on brand. But Mm. she's doing the hard work. I mean, people like her are fantastic, right? (laughs) So I think that's the thing. It's like trying to find those people that can be your true ambassadors. Uh, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I hope we can talk about the employee empowerment topic, especially soon, maybe on another podcast. Sounds good. But yeah, thanks so much for having me. This was a great discussion.